This is The Thirst Tank, presented by Trap Brewing Company. It was interesting, and I, um, I had a lot of opportunity there, and it was put my head down, studied, and just kept growing. And I think the best thing, and there's still my mantra in brewing today, is that if you think you know everything, you won't make it as a you know. Hello, and welcome back to The Thirst Time, the show that takes a deep dive into the careers and journeys of some of the most creative minds in the craft beer industry today. Today's guests, we have Matt and Michelle from Lakes Bruco. Matt and Michelle met in the Lake District and went on to become an integral part of Hawkshead Brewery. And for those that know Hawkshead, they were a seminal brewery in the UK beer scene for a time before being taken over. And then I'd say kind of letting, yeah, letting go of that mantle. Um, now, this was a really open and honest conversation about what it was like to be in the middle of a takeover and the physical and emotional strain that that caused. So I wanted to thank Matt and Michelle for being so open and honest about it. You know, beer is obviously an integral part of this podcast, but it's the people and their journeys that drove me to want to do it. And this was a really illuminating conversation in which you realize that being part of such a close, small team becomes way bigger than being, well, not being, but just a job. Uh, It becomes your life and that can be beautiful, but also incredibly challenging. But this is, I think, a happy story because out of the ruins came beautiful green shoots that have become the wonderful Lakes Bruco. Matt and Michelle were down to do a collaboration uh, and I ambushed them, which seems to be a common pattern now. <laughs> and they graciously sat down and did this interview. So massive thanks to those guys. Right, enough from me. Let's get into it. You are listening to Track Brewing Co. Presents the first time and this is our interview with Matt and Michelle. And we start with that all-important question. What was that first beer for them? I think I've always been in the hospitality industry. So we, I mean, Matt and I met in a hotel, um, working in a hotel, let's just put that (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that, yeah. Um, And um, we, uh, yeah, we, and we went traveling, we came back and um, I Mm. think for me, from being a student, I trained as a, a chef. Yeah. Um, right from college and went travelling. Matt and I met and we met Alex Brody, uh, owner of Hawkshead Brewery mm-hmm. in Hawkshead when we used to work there in a pub, uh, the wow. King's Arms, and um, over the bar, and that was where he first sold his first pints of Hawkshead, and that's where sort of we sort of were introduced into the sort of the the brewing industry really especially matt really because obviously i don't think that's your first drink but it wasn't my first drink (laughs) but that's 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 sort of the 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 intro of what how we got into the thing i mean for me it's um i mean cask is massively heavy up in cumbria being cumbrian myself um and growing up in the lake district so it's always been around but i think for me it's um we i always had Shandies off, mm-hmm. you know, my dad would let me have a shandy, you know, if we went to the pub and things like that. So that was always my first introduction to beer and it was always real ale, shandies, like bitter shandy. You know, so me. cool. And for you, Matt, was that a, well, I didn't realise that your story's connected so like it yeah, that, that's really interesting. No, well being originally from New Zealand, um, you know, historically the heritage of brewing out there is not strong and a lot of the styles were made for mass volume for our pellets out there. An IPA was an oversweetened brown beer that mm-hmm. was X and X. Um, you know, back to the days where they had to shut the pubs at five, cool the big swirl and stuff like that, where actually made people go home because Kiwis used to sit in the pub and drink all night. So they introduced this curfew. So and a lot of the styles got butchered back then. So I pretty much grew up with predominantly fizzy, nondescript beer that really didn't have a huge amount of heritage in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. There was nothing specific that resonated through there. There wasn't any sort of thing. It was, you know, we are more of a... We didn't have the pub social aspect. We had the go out Friday, Saturday nights, come home Sunday, 
and all of that. Drink so as many pints during as During the week, if your mate said to you, do you want to go out for a pint? Oh, we're going out out. <laughs> or, or, you know, it, it was that sort of thing. It wasn't a one after work. So I guess the way that leads me was actually moving to the UK and cask beer was ultimately one of the first things that I found. And now, you know, cask in the lakes as well, there was, there was quite a lot doing that. And I'd never thought of the intricacies of how this thing worked and you know live beer and all that which it let me further down my brewing career and it's probably more so not the first beer I had it was the first time I was asked to um, distinguish some hop samples this is when I first started early doors at Hawks mm -hmm. you know they handed me three different uh, varieties of Bramling Cross to smell because we were looking for a new hop for a porter and it was at that point that beer and certain things resonated and I'd always like cooking you know yeah. stuff like that and to me that was a defining moment of putting things together with beer it was picking a hot variety for a new cask beer in the lakes and that that to me is 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 what the sent me down the street this is yeah. yeah so it's not yeah it's That's not a finished it. product it was I you know I could probably tell you about the numerous times I saw Jim Beam and Coke or something in, in New Zealand <laughs> and things like that. But along the beer journey, this is really the the first and big memory of that's led me forward to designing and you know where me and Michelle met and the whole sort of chef and all of that sort of that's, thing. That's so. that's amazing because I guess it's kind of interesting that it was almost not necessarily the the liquid that brought brought you into it, but just. I guess circumstance to a degree, like both of you being in that hotel at that time, and I guess that was the first beginnings of Hawkshead, or like the earlier days before it had formed into something mm. maybe that people. At that point, know they were still based Just in Hawkshead Village as yeah. well, over there in an old converted milk barn, yeah. milking. And yeah, so that was the, yeah, the, the very early days of that. That's amazing. So. When you like go back and think about, you know, that beginning, it feels like from hearing that there that it wasn't necessarily that there wasn't an immediacy for you to want to be a brewer. Was it just, was it circumstance and, and was it trying those beers, those Hawkshead beers, and I guess being offered a job there? What, what was the kind of timeline of, well, I of think you guys the, getting involved? The basis of, I was in there pretty much we started in a pub in Hawkshead and the son of the owner used to work with us there and I was looking for a job and he said to his son what's Matt like and he said sound <laughs> so Great that CV. led me on <laughs> yeah. uh, so and from there I further studied through IBD diploma X and X and stuff like that and I moved forward. Uh, Michelle was carrying on a chefing and doing other things apart there. But I think what had happened is Michelle had already always had that creative side, all this yeah. sort of, and she knew what I was doing. She listened to me, and it come to a point where she was saying, "Well, you're making all these new beers. You're doing all this stuff, but you know, telling you, you know, this is social media popping yeah. up and doing all of this and this, and." that's where you began really you know you 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 had yeah. so much of a you're with me in the industry and you had a passion for everything going around it but mm -hmm. you weren't exactly employed yeah no so i mean we've effectively both grew up in the beer industry mm -hmm. quite heavily and because obviously we were always together but then it was a case of where we were you know it wasn't being um utilize you know with the birth of social media and all mm -hmm. that sort of stuff and we're like look you know you should be getting more out there you should be doing this and stuff and i was talking you know you're doing all these amazing brewery brews and with breweries and but it's not being utilized in the best manner mm -hmm. so it was um, so yeah basically i was brought in um, part of the marketing sort of amazing. side of things and to build up that side of the business um and yeah it was from there really where we we both started in 
on the, in the same business, you know, and it was because uh, previously myself, yeah, chefing and I, I did a business degree through mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. So and then she used to socially and psychologically analyze people, tell them they're crap managers <laughs> with, without even meeting them. I called, think that's called isometric testing or something. In a like job, that. it wasn't just a hobby, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was, so yeah, I, I did business development development for quite a, a, a few years and yeah it was quite it was interesting but yeah. not something that was very I was very passionate about because yeah. I think coming from a chefing background and um you know in hospitality it's quite creative um and it sort of yeah it was a bit dull really and yeah a bit sort of I didn't really sort of get on board with the yeah, psychometric testing and it just was the balance of like chefing to brewing kind of a real interesting point for you because you could see how flavor and things was being utilised and ingredients, raw ingredients? I think so. I mean, we certainly have have had conversations about beers and ingredients and, you know, this, you know, I've often said to him, this would be quite cool. You know, what about looking at this? Yeah. Um, uh, well, well that, that makes me laugh because <laughs> that led to one of the first existence of Tonka being used in a beer. Yes. In the world. Yeah. Don't let Brew York tell you otherwise. <laughs> they stole it. <laughs> Michelle on the magazine's like, hey, this uh, Tonka beans are going to be the next big thing. It was a recipe and, and yeah, reading just about these, you know, how chefs are using the desserts yeah. and, and things like that and how, you know, it's funny because they're carcinogenic, you know, if you use a lot of them, it's it's a banned It's a banned food ingredient. Yeah, in, in the US and stuff, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, and yeah, just the, the flavour profile just sort of seemed to fit for stouts and mm-hmm. things like that. And yeah, that so was... So I brought a load and had a little tank yeah. and put a stout in it, dropped a load in there. I always think the chefing element, though, yeah. that's how I understand beer primarily. Mm. You know, like this raw ingredients, balance, process, yeah, like quite, how, yeah. you, how you release flavours, like what flavours balance against each other. That That's... And I always think that people who come from that world, you know, palate is king, isn't it? Mm. So like that, that really lends itself to, to the beer world. Mm. There is, it's, it's layers, it's stocks, it's, it's all talking mm-hmm. like that sort of thing, you know. You know what you can build on to try and make that. And you're always manipulating these things around the side and all of that. It's, uh, yeah, well, Michelle's passion, she loves uh, sour fruited mm. wheat beers. Yeah. A lot of delicate styles like that, a lot of yeast forward sort of um, things like that. So you you predominantly push that. Give me bits, <laughs> give me variations of fruits and uh, yeah, different sort of things and that's amazing. Bit yeah. like spiced, yeah. like Belgian style wheat yeah. is. I mean, yeah, probably, for me, yeah, Belgian style wheat beers, which are probably is one of my favourite styles. Amazing. Which you know, the the really intricate, delicate. <laughs> sort of flavours that you can create with different spices and yeah with the which you know, the noble not necessarily sort of. the hazy triple IPA market <laughs> or whatever but um there's always a niche yeah, there's always there's a room always you know and if I see one I'm always there <laughs> so Hawk said we've kind of brought it up a, like numerous times now mm. and it's funny because obviously Hawkshead was such an influential brewery for me drinking craft beer you know, getting into it nine, ten years ago. You know, what it was it was a beautiful balance of a brewery that did traditional really, really well. Like Windermere Pale is obviously an absolute classic. But also like you just said, like Tonka Bean Stouts, um, Key Lime Tau, like there was there was a real progressive edge to it as well. Mm. Um NZ IPA, you know, like it was it felt like it straddled these two worlds so so well but let's like zoom back a bit into into that journey because it's such a huge part of your your history and we can go to where you know mm. the nice beginnings and the <laughs> not so nice ends and then the birth of lakes which is a beautiful story really and it's awesome to have you guys so if you go back into those early days of what it was what hawk said was like just like sense of scale you know what was it that you were aiming to do and for you matt like when it was first you were really starting to push maybe a little bit bolder styles from a traditional cask. No, well, it's amazing. I spent 15 years there, virtually grew it from the, you know, from when it was small. Um, Basically, starting when we did, um, you know, the the resurgence was starting to come on and 
I have to say, um, Alex Brody, who owned Hawkshead at the time and set up Hawkshead, he was very progressive from the start. He mm. was um, doing a gold nail, heavily hopped with US Cascade, he had a porter, Cascade American hops. You could almost set a black IPA back then. Mm -hmm. So he, he loved bitterness, he loved pushing the elements, he loved hops. So he was already pushing certain things like that. And I come on this journey sort of thing through. And it's amazing how the influences which push me probably to that extra tier more from just where we were to going up was probably the likes of your Marble, your Thornbridge at the time, the era of Campbell, Don, uh, Colin and that at Marble Brewery. Um, <laughs> Who've gone on to form. Like, also, Shaw Legend, you know, yeah, yeah. Legend. Got, for anyone who doesn't know, James is Shaw Shot, was it Cloudwater, Collins, like, was it Buxton, Northern Monk? Yeah. Uh, you know, like, absolute legends of the, of the game. We, we held a um, Ciba Bear competition at, at Hawkshead, and Michelle still remembers to this day. I sat a lot of times about different things, but I tapped a freaking cask of marble pint which had been dry hopped to the earth of Holcone in that cask by one of them three, which exploded in my face and went everywhere. We're on the top tier. And I said to Michelle, I'm never dry hopping a beer in my life. <laughs> I said that with quite conviction, covered in. About a week and a bit later, yeah, here it comes. after drinking pint that weekend by the gallon, I opened my mind and the next one was... Thornbridge Jaipur, which yeah. was on at the same Seba thing. And Alex, when you want to try this, this is where things are heading. And I remember how and I was like, wow, this is... And this, this is cask is, as well. This, this is, is cask. Yeah. This was, there was, yeah, this was, this was cask at that. And that, that was two defining points in that where I was like, wow, this, this is cool. But I'm still not doing that silly dry hopping thing. That's what I had in my head. Like, I don't need to do that to get flavour, but it turns out I did. <laughs> so that was a lot moving forward. And it was, it's quite interesting because back then moving forward, there was, there was traditional still mm -hmm. and pushing the edge coming through. There wasn't this balance of both sort of thing. You know, we had a, we had a cracking core of like red, red ale, yeah. proper bitter that you know we can do we were in the you know walking lake district so these things were going well but everyone still wanted that bit more um so keeping that balance was hard mm -hmm. because you tried to push one side and keep the quality on everything together and i don't think it's something that nowadays can be achieved within yeah. i think there was a certain through you know yeah joachim and uh, you know Thornbridge, a few others. They 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 were a similar model, really, mm -hmm. in, in the sense where they're straddling both creative sides of. Uh, you know, we're always guilty of saying that the cask was the traditional side of this, and the keg was the modern going on. Whereas you know, cask is the the is such a magical thing of this country, really. You see, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's that great and that hard that it's the best thing and the worst thing you can have in your life and it's one of the hardest things to translate to anyone that doesn't live in this country let alone know what cask beer is because yeah. they just resort back to a keg but actually it was warm yeah um, trying to i remember i had an australian friend and i was trying to tell him about cask beer and he's like so it's kind of warm and i was yeah. like yeah i guess it's kind of warm and he's like and it's flat and he's like, <laughs> yeah it's kind of like he's like Nice. <laughs> it sounds disgusting. <laughs> you know, this this affair and this this balancing off and doing all this cask and that, you know, it's led me everywhere, you know, clubs with Cigar City, with Wayne, mm. you know, all around the world where all of these sort of ties through this ride has appeared through cask beer and certain thing around around that and it was the fact that you know, Wayne drank 13 pints of Windermere Pale uh, sat at our tap room and, uh, you know, all of this stuff was born. But it was funny that you touched on Windermere Pale, first of all, as being, that was my first full 
proper bear, uh, my first bear that I recipe. recipe that I made. That's a like that's that, a legacy that beer. Was, man. That, that was that like, was the yeah um, back in that, and it's quite funny because there's a lot of stories that go on with Citra and other stuff in this country, and there was other iterations of of Windermere Powell to start with. It was called Olmston Blonde, mm -hmm. I think, at one point in that, and we were down at Charles Farham uh, Hot Merchants for our selection and they had said, look, we've got this new hop coming, Oakham Ales have already virtually snaffled it all up and all of that, we've got a little bit, had a rub, it was Citra. <laughs> I was like, shit. And it's the first time I've like, snaffled the rest of the sample away into my pocket, took it back to the brewery to show and I was like, this is what Windermere Pale, this, this is a signature and we managed to get a couple hundred kilo or whatever um, so it's sort of in the birth of that beer and the whole story, Oakham Citra was like born through. They, mm -hmm. you know, that's sort of the pie, you know, the first ones, but we got the, <laughs> we, got, we got the, the rest of the crop that they left behind sort of thing in that trial. And, and, you know, that, that was a big stepping stone with three and a half percent beer back in, was it 2006, seven or something like that. Um, that was like packing and yeah. Is it, isn't it crazy? Like that, that hop literally is the backbone of craft beer now. Like mm. Citra is the foundational of, of pretty much most people's yeah. like brewing. Uh, it's definitely ours, you know, it's pretty much in every beer we create just yeah. as a bedrock and a but foundation. It, it is so phenomenal. you were there when you like, I can't even yeah. imagine what it must've been like to feel that come onto the scene. It is unbelievable that, because you know. I've never ever had another moment like that with a hop wow. where I've, I've had moments here where I've like, wow, that's been cool. That's got like a raspberry or a vanilla edge or this and that and left it at that. But, you know, to pack it away and row it, I was like, the whole way home was like, wow, this is, that's this amazing. Is. And yeah, it's, yeah. That's watch. history. That that yeah, is literally, yeah. that literally it, a history of, of, of craft beer right mm, there. It was yeah, amazing. If you look back, Michelle, at like the early days of Hawkshead, how do you remember it? Was it did it feel like a very family environment? Was it exciting to be a part of? Um, you know, what kind of was it rapidly expanding into something <laughs> different? You know, we'll, we will get to the end, which is a little bit tinged with, you know, sadness. Not just, obviously you guys lived it, but just as a, as a consumer, you know, it was, it was a huge part of the, the beer scene when I was, was you know, coming up. Um, and now, yeah, I mean, I don't know when I last drank Windy Pale, and obviously I wouldn't go near it now anyway. <laughs> but yeah, what was, it, what was it like to, in those like formative years? Yeah, no, it, we, it was very family orientated in the sense of you know it was um small team very much sort of everybody chipped in and everyone had ideas and it was that sort of um it was fun yeah you know and it was it was, it was my was, sort of home away from home yeah really you know as and well. it was alex family. was sort of like a father figure yeah being away you know i'm moved to the other side of the world mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know we were all very close and in that sort of that situation and you know one thing affected everybody if you know it was one of those and yeah it was it was it was to say you were saying earlier that you know we sort of like went across two genres if you will with the the what you I hate calling it real craft because cask, cask is craft, craft. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> and yeah. it's british craft and uh, uk craft and that's pivotal in everybody's beer journey You are listening to Track Brewing Co. Presents the first time, and this is our interview with Matt and Michelle from Lakes Brew Co. Yeah, know you guys as well. You yeah. know, we've known you for such a long time, mm -hmm. and it's um, it's crazy that this is our first collab. I know, I know, <laughs> but, I know. Which is great because it's ours. Yeah, um, but it's it's yeah we've it's. Yeah, growing up together. And well, I think we we dreamed of doing stuff with like Hawkshead yeah. back in the day. You know, like, it was like, man, we, maybe one day we'll get. It. And and same, I remember when we did like a collab with Buxton or something like. It was like, oh, well, one day we might get. You know, because you mm. you guys were right at the 
front end mm. of the beer scene. And I guess maybe for people listening to this who got into it more recently, it was a really exciting time. It's rare that you're kind of at the emergence of almost like a new era. Or, you know, beer's always mm. been a huge part of British culture, but like progressive cask mm. and progressive like craft was, you know, around, exactly around the mark that you guys you know, were brewing. That's it, you know, with... Um, uh, coming up with like uh, new recipes and uh, discovering new ingredients that you could put into beer instead yeah. of just the standard sort of you know your more yeast hops sort of base mm-hmm. but being able to add different things to you know and actually well, really you know, push things and as well being at the this collaborative thing at the these mm. projects going on Rainbow Project yeah, another one gonna, born yeah. back then which was phenomenal you know Ryan Wutter come across here was like in his American accent you guys don't really play together that much let's do say weird sort of thing and wow that that took on I met Chad from Crooked Stave you know we're good mates still now we're Lurvig um, just thrust together us with and I I believe that's got to be a lot of connections as well that have moved forward from there for you know, UK into Europe, BFA, you know, the whole mix, you know, just this, this, this project like that. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I think it was, like, it, it was fun. And then it, it, it still is fun, but it was just, it's, it wasn't as serious. Mm-hmm. And it was just sort of like... Um, and I guess I you guys, you know, you didn't have, you, it wasn't necessarily without, wasn't your money on the line at that no, point and stuff. All. You were just part of... Yeah. Uh, a, a project that was mm. yeah fun and exciting and, and, and making your mark and I it? think still back then at the start of that the, the whole so do, social media interaction with it all was still on Very the lighter new. side mm. really you know it was it was you know yet to get out to appreciate this mm-hmm. rather than casting a view from a distance really maybe and it, that if you look at your brewing career Matt it sounds like that um Alex gave you, you know, gave you freedom to kind of express and experiment. If you, like, how was he as a mentor for you as a, a young brewer? Like, and that's your first brewing job. Mm, yeah, it was my first. Um, it was, yeah, it was interesting completely because we're from two separate back, you know. Um, this Kiwi that's come across and all that. He's a very renowned journalist who worked for the BBC X and X he was terrifying in his heyday because I used to he was still working for the BBC when I first um, started so he he was talking to researchers and all that and the amount of phones he used to go through by hitting them on a table and stuff like that and you know I was like whoa but you know what we had a bit of a click he um would he was still brewing when we first started and uh, Mm -hmm. he'd wander off on the phone I'd dig mash tongue out on the slide behind. He'd come back, it's clean and dug out. Oh, cheers, that sort of thing. So we got the workings of that. And, um, you know, we sort of, two different social backgrounds, everything bringing mm-hmm. up and, you know, sometimes two wrongs click together. And yeah. you know what? Um, he never used to like mornings. I used to love mornings. He used to like late afternoon <laughs> meetings on a Friday. I didn't so much, but put up with them um so yeah it was it was it was interesting and i um i had a lot of opportunity there and it was put my head down studied and just kept growing and i think the best thing and there's still my mantra in brewing today is that if you think you know everything you, you won't make it as a brewer and mm-hmm. you know the, it's it's a Forever learning job. Every day it's, school, it yeah. changes. Just because it was written in a textbook in the 60s or something doesn't mean that was right. Um, I think it's just a continual learning, talking, collaborations, people, mm-hmm. you know, just sitting there talking to you as well. Yeah. You know, bringing back up things from the past and ideas, you know, it, it gets me thinking again with certain things. But yeah, it was, yeah, there was, there was a lot of opportunity but you know there was a lot of responsibility come with it and you know it was good that you know I got the chance to do that and it was sort of 
unusual for someone to spend so long at one brewery yeah. and to go through certain aspects and all of that, you know. I think there's a beauty in, it's, it's something I kind of talk about with Matt as our head brewer is that, you know, like each beer that you drink by that brewery is just the progression of that person because you were just, you know, it was all the recipes of Matt's or whatever and same with you, I guess, and just, it is a growth curve and it's a experimentation and that's what makes it, I think, an exciting progressive brewery so what was the time period from beginning to end of Hawkshead like how long were you guys there for so I was there for 15 years wow so started 2019 was it the, the right at the start of COVID whenever that was oh, when... <coughs> so yeah I I was there pretty much you were virtually there from the start. I mean, it was yeah. It was so a year or so in or whatever. Yeah. But you know what? My kids grew up in it. Uh, the earlier days. So yeah, it was a. It was a huge part of your mm. life and career. And were you there at the you, same I time? Was, no, time? so I was about seven years there. And yeah, yeah as Matt said, the, we seven years there, but she spent <coughs> the whole fifteen. <laughs> Yeah. Probably 30, we could times it by two, because she took my, uh, move emptying me, uh, um, everything else, and, uh, and, and coaxed me along yeah. through certain times. And, and certain what, what does it look like, just with regards to like size and progression from, you know, when you started, like, to, to when it ended, what, and, you know, we'll go into the end bit. Yeah. In a minute, but so we're we're growing, we're we're growing nice and sustainably. Uh, the mantra was always organically within yeah. our, you know, every year was twenty thirty percent nice, not forced growth within our means. Um, we were, you know, really nice. Um, Alex uh, wanted to have an exit strategy. He wasn't getting any younger. That's his words. Um, he had a couple of boys, three boys. They mm -hmm. had all tried different roles within, weren't interested to carry on. So Alex was looking to carry the legacy on. Maybe he wanted, the ambition was he would like to see Windermere Pale as a national brand, yeah. you know, throughout. Uh, so therefore ended up selling the business, um, which, you know, he worked really hard for we all helped in that process sort of thing and mm -hmm. yeah if we okay so we're going to come up to you know this this there is a tinge of real sadness in this in this like next bit because this has been your whole brewing professional career uh hawkshead have established themselves as this incredible brewery and i'd say that windermere pale you know was kind of what you just said was an established it brand. might be still I it might yeah. Tried it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but although it's 3.4 percent now yeah duty. well yeah it's the duty, <laughs> the duty system changes <laughs> you know but i guess it, i guess the hard part is that you know you were an employee there and it, the the control of this this side of things is out of your hands mm -hmm. and i guess maybe you could see that it was coming somewhere well, down the line and uh if you can kind of talk about maybe that and then the point of, you know, acquisition is a very interesting thing in our industry. I think, you know, when you do look back at those, like the Rainbow Project and stuff like that and think of like the Beaver Towns and this, that and the other, you know, what, it's, it's, it's a weird thing to think about, but, but the acquisition and, and same with Magic Rock, you know, there's a lot of talk of nothing's going to change, but well, generally, yeah, absolutely. To think um, they were trying to set up the Independent Craft Brewers Association in the UK, and the founding members was Jasper, Logan, Richard Burhouse, and uh, which yeah, uh, <laughs> we've, all, we've all cashed in. Pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, and at the first meeting, I think one of them could not attend because they were possibly somewhere else. Talking to, uh, <laughs> but that's another. Um, yeah, it's. It's a different, I think, you know, you sell out, um, you sell, sell your, not sell out, you sell your business, you know, because you know what, beer industry is not easy to work in, not and in. you know what, mm -hmm. selling your business at the end means you're successful, you know, yeah. there, there's You've no... You've got a successful business that somebody would like to take on. Yeah, yeah. you know what, yeah. and we all know it, you know, it's it's a hard market, you know, and fair news, uh, 
then faced with, you know, you are now... Hawksid was brought by Watchers Class as a family-run independent business. So it wasn't Hale. a big, you know, it wasn't no. Heineken, it wasn't Airbnb. But Class is yeah. an independent family business, you know. They still are, whatever. Um, but with us comes a lot more baggage, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's corporate structure, there's... Um, more things sort of involved with this and um you know there's no doubt about it a certain accountancy comes into play in certain things um i was relatively left to my own accord at most points which is probably part of the reason why it become so hard there there was more things taken away and less things invested there was Mm. sort of no structure there um there were a big spirits company which um sort of well they don't they didn't understand the beer basically yeah. it was you know they'd predominantly been a commodity spirits company um selling to bars and pubs and um yeah to to say that they didn't understand beer and what was needed to sell and produce is an understatement, I think, um, yeah. in that sense. And so it's kind of going in blind almost, like to absolutely, to, yeah, yeah, you so, know. Yeah, and they had a huge sales team across the whole country, who were we were told were going to be educated around about beer and, and were going to be brought up, and nothing ever was. Um, so that obviously, you know, all of a sudden to say we've got an account for this this and this mm-hmm. we want it tomorrow and it's like well that's not going to happen because yeah. and what if it's cask definitely not yeah. and, you know so that sort of thing like that you know it would just they just weren't set up for beer at all so the long and short of it with the smaller company you know smaller doesn't mean to be smaller in production size but smaller structure within mm-hmm. you know there's more communication mm-hmm. you go to bigger um all of a sudden I can't relay stuff to team, I don't know what's going on here, I'm told this, I'm told that. You know, it gets a bit blurred and certain yeah. things and, and... What kind of emotions do you remember like feeling at the time? Um, I have to say I'm, you know, pretty resilient guy and quite yeah. stubborn. Um, it, yeah, I was, it pushed me, yeah. pushed me. I was at a point where I'd never been in my life, so... yeah. It was, yeah, it was hard by the end. Um, I would say I was hanging in there. But I wanted to, I think one thing is, I've been through it so much, I still class as a family team and I wanted to protect members. Mm-hmm. Everyone that had worked with me and all of that, which sometimes I think back now is something which is really good and to do. But when the ship's sinking, a lot of people want to jump off quicker. <laughs> so um, sometimes the things that you put into other people don't necessarily... You always put your team before yourself. I mean, yeah. let's put it this way. We would cancel holidays. We would stop, you know, we wouldn't go places because of, you know, oh, my somebody wants a holiday, I'll yeah. take mine away. So Matt was always sort of a case of, I'm putting them Captain first. Of the ship. Yeah, yeah, you know, and he would always put everyone first. But then it's sort of, when, when a bigger company comes in, people are like, well that's not my job anymore and you're like well but it was you know you were quite happy to do that maybe six months prior to this happening Mm -hmm. and it's like well you know it doesn't matter anymore it's and it's a bit like it's sort of i think it it became that and it sort of started eating itself within um which i obviously because as well i can look at it from a different perspective um you know sort of because obviously matt with his brew team i predominantly worked sort of like within office and mm-hmm. sort of in a different area so and yeah i mean because we're together um as well it's i mean i honestly yeah, i can be honest it's sort of you were um, at the point of breaking i think mm-hmm. towards the end you know the pressure that it was put on because he was trying to protect everybody yeah and harbor so much um responsibility and try and buffer everything that was mm-hmm. coming which i didn't really need to but no as it's a weird, it's a weird, but it's I, I, people come people are what make the business mm. it's not one individual like myself it's everyone and that's you, that you, makes a good business and that's and do you think you were trying to 
you know, it's almost like trying to hold on to something as mm. well. Like, because if this falls, if, oh, this, if, this, if this falls apart, then mm. it, oh, the whole thing crumbles. It's not what it is. Yeah, yeah it's not. It's not what it was. And yeah. it wasn't failure within myself or anything like that. No, it no. was more so wanting to keep this because I knew how special it was mm. and how much time I'd put into yeah into this. And you know, not even that really, because I really enjoyed the whole mm. and you know. It, crisis the the experience and the people and one of the you know hard things when all of a sudden you know the blue sort of covid appeared and all of that were made redundant was our children as well um being a bit younger at that time they've been brought up they you know the festival they know more brewers than half the brewers in this country sort of thing and straight away you know our daughter's like was does that mean all our friends are gone sort of thing and you're a bit like no but um you know this has happened and it was the the one of the worst ones was it had happened and i sat downstairs and you know chewing it over and our boy who's a boy we don't really say much mm. you ask him say you're bear, <laughs> you know because he's a boy um he come back down, got out of bed, and just come down and said, "Dad, have they been bad to you?" And yeah, that was. <laughs> oh, and then tear up. That's <laughs> really, like, uh, it's hard, isn't it? It's like I think, you know, from the outside, people might not recognise the uh, the bonds you make in in a brute. Like when you're on the front, like mm. it's a it's a hard, it's mm. an industrial job, and it can be really hard. And when you spend, oh. you've given. You've given yourself to something, you know, you're like it's uh, it's become yeah. you and I know on my personal experience, you know, it, it became too much of me when I had to juggle like too much of it and it affected my relationship, but I didn't have kids then, you know, but like your kids yeah, are growing yeah. up around it, your friendships are around it, you go out for a beer and you bump into people who mm. you want to talk about it. It's it's kind of the epicenter of your life, isn't it? Yeah. And it's yeah, it's 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 funny and you know, it's it's hard to now how it you know with once again going back to social media mm -hmm. coming up but then people realize how embedded people are who work at these things and how negative things really affect really translate through when you know and it's, it's interesting to be at the you know you've seen what a takeover is mm. you know and that wasn't by a big you know no, corporate no. beer affair but that was that was people who had an idea of how a business worked not understanding it and i'll tell you what own. once you've been taken over by it doesn't need to be big beer small beer whatever people will look for it yeah. i i was telling the example um uh, a couple of weeks ago about um windy pale and how it changed overnight completely and um someone had been outside a pub and looked at the brewman label on it and on the ingredients it didn't say citra We'd taken the citra out of uh, Windy Pearl. No, it's just the fact that we had updated Brewman that didn't carry across the ingredients <laughs> list. And quite frankly, it was like, and that year we were still using like 200% more citra in it than we were at the yeah. original brew. So that straight away, it's like, boom. Yeah. There's a reason to, mm. which was hard again, because you, you fight the corner and yeah. you try to make things right. And, and, you, and you, you, know, you have a sense of ownership. You, you mm. weren't the owner, but you have a sense of ownership of everything that it is, yeah. internally and externally. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a huge, maybe, I don't know if burden's the right word, but it's a huge cross to bear. You, know? mm. you, you carry that with you. You make personal sacrifice. You have family. Yeah. And it's, it's a big, big deal. Mm. Um, so... Obviously, you know, we move on from that. I imagine there was a bit of soul searching that went on of just like, you know, what what do we do now? This has been mm. our lives for so long. Do we want to stay in beer? I mean, I don't know what your journey was, but like mm. what I, I imagine that they're the natural questions that come up. It's just like, is this the thing that we want to do? Um, you know, what what was it like post, post Hawk said, what, where were you at with, with everything? Or post... Hawk said virtually went straight into lockdown. Yeah. Um, I was still getting bombarded from quite a few <laughs> directions from a lot of breweries and a lot of different people. And I was just thinking, man, all I want to do is have a break. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I 
Um, and but then I was thinking, but you need something. You know, you, you need. Well, to... we'd we'd gone from a two-income family to so, a no-income yeah. family. So yeah. That sort right, of, right, so, <laughs> we yeah. sort of and with two kids, we obviously mm-hmm. yeah. But as well, it was at such a a bizarre time in the world because of course everyone was locked in their houses and allowed out for half an hour and this and we had the kids at home and it was but a glorious summer so yeah. that was quite good yeah, you're, yeah. In, right, you're <laughs> in a good place for it as well <laughs> so we um yeah so matt was getting um obviously office all over the place and but we, it's a huge you know this comes with relocation absolutely and yeah, you know, a lot of it is and a lot come with you know a lot of people approaching who had kit money never been in the industry and the usual approach one person can do this and do it for me you know it's it's, not resisting it's you know the the lack of understanding that what is needed to run a brewery you might have the the kit you might have an idea but if you don't have the sales the brew team the Mm. the people who are going to deliver it or you know who a good solid team behind that and it's not just all about the brewer because i think that sometimes as well it gets lost within in in the, the industry that it's all about the brewer it's mm-hmm. not i mean it's obviously the pivotal part of it because they become the recipes and everything and often the, the face but the background is needed and the to bolster that as well yeah. you know and i think that's what and, we and heading into you know it wasn't, you know, it's COVID. It's not the best time to start a new brewery, especially <laughs> in the country saturated with an extent of... And I've never, ever made any ambition that I wanted to start my own business ever again because I know how hard it is ever, for a brand <laughs> but <laughs> to do. But, um, yeah. you know, uh, it was time to think and all of that. And, uh, yeah, we, we chewed over things. and yeah. Well, basically, it was. I think it was a case of... We didn't particularly want to relocate anywhere because yeah. obviously we, my family are still in the lakes and mm-hmm. um, we had the two kids who were happy where they were settled. We had a house and we love the lakes. It's just part of us where we've met, where mm-hmm. we've, I mean, we've traveled all over together ourselves, um, but always come back to the lake district. It's home. So yeah, it is. It's home. And we were sort of, and then there's Steve who is our co-founder. And who was our MD at Hawkshead. He nearly lasted a year. Nearly lasted a year. Um, and also got made redundant. So, um, you know, and he was a, a sort of crossroads himself as well. You know, I think he was in a similar mind frame, but obviously he's a touch older than us and his family's grown up. So, um, but he, it's, it's, it was a case of, do we want to do this again for somebody else? You know, yeah. do we want to start going there and build up a business and, do all of the considering before the hawks said job he had a tough paper round before that he was yes, sales director at Brewdog for wow uh, through quite a through their their huge growth mm-hmm. you know he took them through their yeah, I think he was growth. there six or seven years which wow. is and then that's a good life cycle for any yeah in that in, at that time like that yeah. expansion I mean it's crazy and the the knowledge base that he has is is you know unfounded so you know it's um yeah, we sat and had some conversations with him and um, our other co-founder, Paul, who is not involved in the day-to-day running of the business. Mm-hmm. But, um, I must he's... mention as well, I got locked out of the industry oh, for yes. a year after leaving. On my clause in my contract, <laughs> I was not allowed to work for a year. And it was like, so you got, you got your good summer. and Not, yes. not, allowed, to, <laughs> <laughs> not allowed to work. Yeah, um, I, I, have, I thought there must have been, you know, it's a very sad, this awful thing to, to do to people to... I've heard of it ha- happening yeah. in the industry elsewhere, but it's uh, it was it was a real. it was a weird one, but you know again lucky almost that we couldn't do anything particularly not work not yeah but not work uh, yeah the um, so we've we had a, a sort of you know yeah a bit of soul searching and figuring out what we could do and I drank quite a lot of gin as well. <laughs> you did. <laughs> In the sun. That's a gin in the sun. <laughs> By the way, yeah, it sounds like, like a lot. I, I, I never used to drink then. No, yeah. Weird. Um, yeah, I mean, like that, that summer was basically, yeah, just spend a lot of time with the kids and yeah. really. Interesting, sort of though, people that had reached out to me, not for me, who had experience in business and stuff like that, 
that I'd never met in my life, who mm -hmm. I talked to, mm -hmm. actually helped with decisions of That's how things out, which is mm -hmm. weird. And they had got to me by, they had read my story. And friends. And they knew friends of mine that yeah. passed on my number, mm -hmm. stuff like that, which is like really weird, you know. But I was like, oh, talk. It was almost like these, I say strangers because we never met obviously we still haven't uh, met and we've never met them oh, we've we talked to them over zoom and stuff yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah it was almost a weird mentorship that went on that with, by people who had had businesses in the past but were looking to invest within mm -hmm. upcoming businesses and had um, and knew what we'd been through and mm -hmm. what we were potentially looking to do I think they see character though, don't they that's probably what it's just yeah, like there's, and, there is a an element yeah. to that yeah. and I think at the end of the day some of them are quite happy in their way to like you don't need investment just yeah. mm. honest and just, you know like just straight up do it mm -hmm. or decent people just rein yourself back mm. and do you can actually do this for yourselves and it it yeah so there was <laughs> I feel like there's just this moment where you just look <laughs> at each other like in the eyes like the the Hollywood film, just like, are we going to do this? And she's like, I mean, it was almost yeah, like that. Yeah. We sort of sat, I think, in a, on our deck in at home, and we were like, because neither of us, again, like Matt said earlier, really had aspirations of sort of running a big business and yeah. all this sort of stuff. But it's sort of. I'm not very good behind a desk. <laughs> no. I'm like grumpy. Yeah. I'm very grumpy. <laughs> so yeah, it was almost like a right. Are we? Are we? Right. If we don't try, we don't know. If yeah. it doesn't come to what we expect it to or what we would like it to become then we've tried mm -hmm. you know and if we don't try we'll always think back and go what if yeah. so I think that was the moment I think we did and we were like right Steve we're in if you're in let's progress this and let's talk about it over and again we were almost graced this tap period where we didn't have any pressures on us because of lockdown that um, yeah just became um, a time where we could build a business model and mm -hmm. look at what we wanted out of a business, not what we thought. Because you're, you're in the driving seat now, you exactly. know. Still yeah. in the background going, this may not even happen yeah. and yeah. we'll be even broker by the end. Absolutely. <laughs> not that, you know. <laughs> but, um, it, it sort of, it was that Did sort it feel of, light though? Did it feel like a kind of, it feels like when we're talking about it, there's an element of just like, you know, we're just going to give this a shot. Like, yeah, I think that was the, the case of, you know, and, and there were so many uh, potential, like, pitfalls, if you will, like, you know, premises and kit, and can mm -hmm. we get, you know, funding for this and that, and, you know, what do we want to do, and how big do we, you know, there's so many questions, and, yeah. Um, but yeah, actually, when we sat down, like, Steve, when we were allowed to meet up, you know, I can't remember what he would call. We'd have to justify up, that now. They they had cheese and wine parties. <laughs> they did have cheese and wine parties. You had you two had gin. That would be the yeah. So it was a case of just sitting and planning and looking and figuring out what we wanted to do mm -hmm. in that section and where where we would fit in the the brewing industry yeah. ourselves as as our own. Entity. Yeah. yeah, you know, and it was um, it was fun. it funny like we I think we were talking earlier, you know, this whole thing of like we were joking around about names and things. Oh god, because you know it's such a pivotal thing, and there's so many different wacky names out there. Mm -hmm. And do we want? And we were like, well, we're in the Lake District, Lake Spruco, and we we're like, someone has to have taken this, you know, name. It's, it's got to have been away, there, yeah. you know. I mean, surely someone's had this. Have a little look, search on nobody taking it, and I think that was that was sort of the thing. Did that really we all seal like it just agreed, like... and it was just. Yeah. Yep. It sounds weird, but I think I always think back, and it was so easy to agree on so many points we, of this business together. As a, as considering we had known Steve for a year, yeah. really, um, and we all worked really well, and mm. I remember him saying, "Well, if this goes Pete Tom, we could open our own," you know, sort of thing, in a in a you know, passing jest, and um, and here you are. <laughs> here it transpires that you know certain skills through, and you know the whole birth of Lake Spruco and stuff like that is would never been edgy, push the establishment sort of type. Yeah. Of, so we're 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 very inclusive. What we want to be, so 
there would be no reason why we would want to call it, I don't know, something off the, you know, scale. So that that's sort of what we're all, and you know, it's it's a place where a lot of people to you know bring their dogs, kids, yeah. everything. You know. What was that? If you do go, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Me, but like seeing, you know, it come together and realizing for you, Matt, as well, that she's like, oh my days, there's a kit here that's just like a. T- well, that took longer gonna- together. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was another story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I thought we could do a whole podcast on probably that. But Not- just seeing it come together yeah. and then realizing, like, this, this is, this is it. You know, like this is, this is ours. We know what scale we want to go. You know, we're in charge of where this is going. And that first brew day, you know, was there a sense of excitement? Was there a sense of just like, of everything that you've just been through, and which was, you know, it, it was uh, an emotional time. Just coming out of another mass expansion and built a full new brew house, virtually a whole new business for the last, which nearly destroyed me and took me a long time. Um, the, this project was just like... A dream. It, it was, it was... Well, it was, it was what you... I mean, Steve and I are very much a case of he knows what he's doing mm-hmm. because he has, he's the brewer and he knows what he wants. Mm-hmm. So we were like, we just stepped back because, and we worked on other things in that sense. But obviously, we're all talking. But yeah. with the case of uh, with Matt, it's just a case of he, he knows what he wants out of a kit and, and whether he wants it manual, automatic, you know, all of that. So it was down to you just designing it with with SSB and I think the the joyful the you know it's like any small business and in bringing that family it's it's making your first um, employing your first couple of people you mm-hmm. know it's a lot of trust being able to leave I was thankful to be able to employ Alex who mm-hmm. was a brewer for me at Hawkshead who I brought on that one was made redundant um, he turned around and said, I come to work for you, not those share of people. Um, <laughs> so um, he ended up going to work for somewhere else in X and X. And also Alan uh, Drayman as well. He worked with us at Hawkshead as well. So it was quite a nice to bring so cool. some of the gang back together. And they, yeah, they've been family for ages. They've no luck. It, you know, it, it's just an extension, and they look after it like it's their own sort of well, thing. I think it was just the whole fact of from the very beginning. You know, we were in the the unit that we acquired. You know, we've done everything ourselves from mm-hmm. scratch. You know, we've painted the walls. We've obviously people had to put a floor in, but like you know, everything is has been done. It's yours. Our you know we've done it ourselves. Yeah. We've worked like you know painting in freezing cold mm-hmm. <laughs> in January and stuff so it's sort of we had this we've got a real connection and a bond really you know there's five of us that work there all the time <clears throat> and you know like actually it almost still doesn't feel real if that makes sense because you know like we've just been on our second we've just come through our second year so we take our our anniversary is the first brew day mm-hmm. um, so we, that was in January no sure. July even um, so yeah we've just come through the second birthday and it's a bit like how have we got to two years already you know yeah. I mean and it's just it's it's just flying by and it's it's great you know I mean like I say the kids spend I mean this summer they've been on the cannon line <laughs> you know packing yeah, boxes loading cans oh, you know it's a full That's sort of amazing. scale thing you know and it's um, not to mention Evelyn our daughter virtually runs uh, social media and drums up all our <laughs> local business knows every dog that comes in the place oh, knows every amazing, owner she she's, yeah she's you know she'll she'll be messaging people are you coming to the tap room and when oh. we open on a, on a you know weekend and it's just just the community that's building around mm. us is brilliant you know and it's it's so nice and these things don't need to be overly no. complicated sort of thing in a sense just try to create an environment where people can come and be you know what we have food supplies on and stuff like that but if people kind of you know times are tough at the moment they can bring their own food stuff like that it's um but suddenly all of those things that you really cared about when you were at hogshead you're actually in charge of that that, that's that is the principles of your business yeah and i think that 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 kind of stuff really emanates out from people 
and businesses and that's why you see people gravitate towards it because they want to be part of that and mm. there's, a, there's a friendly openness and care and respect I guess mm. that that well, I think that's the core of the industry that you know I love like that was the that's another reason we're sat here doing this podcast now <laughs> so openly and nicely because it's with our friends and the mm. yeah. business and brewery that well I've loved for years well and the, the feeling know. is mutual and it's a real honour to have you guys here and I guess you know when I do think of it and we go through that story which is really emotional and I can feel the hardship that you guys had to go through especially with family and stuff yeah but if you reflect you know if you reflect upon all of that to the point you're at now mm. you know how do you frame that I think for me, it's just literally everything happens for a reason, yeah. you know, and at the end of the day, we've been able to create something great out of what was a super emotional time for us. Sad because something ended that was brilliant for us, but it wasn't great at the end. So, mm -hmm. you know, and, and to, to come out at the, the, the back end of it with our own business, that we can run in our own manner and that we can have and have this inclusive brewery that people feel comfortable drinking in and drinking our beers and approaching us, then that's the main thing for me. I think it's, um, yeah, it's, it's like I say, every, yeah, I always say this to people when they sort of say, oh, I'm really, you know, it, no, everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't meant to be, then we wouldn't be here now. Yes. Yeah. So. And how, how do you think? I would say, that? don't be a dick. <laughs> you know what? Things that have come yeah. back to help me in my journey later on, <laughs> setting up a new business, the help from all manner of people that I've spent good times with over the last 15 years, whether it's a, a, an accountant or a lawyer that I used mm -hmm. on that, it's amazing the amount of people that have come back and... I've helped or done something for or just, you know, nothing huge, but yeah, it was great. They got so, yeah, my mentor in life is don't be a dick. <laughs> it is Hopefully really when you are, you know, it, it's amazing. There was, there was, even from the deeper, like Hailwood Company, that certain people that we had met through there that were amazing at what they did and all that, Help us today. Uh, Who aren't at Hillwood anymore because yeah. they've been through effectively what we went through. Yeah. And now our accountant, uh, the, the, an ex-lawyer helps, you know, all things like that. And there's all little pockets mm. of things along. And you know what? I appreciated everything. You know, I might not have been at the right time even through that, but I appreciated how good they were at their job. Mm. and what was getting stuff like that and and all these little bits have helped the whole journey along so. and I support from brewers and everything like that I think at the end of the day if you treat nice. people yeah the way you would like to be treated it doesn't always come back but the people who do appreciate it there's going to be something that comes yeah. back it's like it's almost that pay it forward thing you know it's i don't know there's a saying that i love which is like character is your greatest form of communication mm. so and i think it's, you know like yeah. the way that you handled both of you handled a really tricky situation speaks volumes to the people you are and the business that you want to build and that's why and i think it's you know it's reaffirming <laughs> you know we get a lot of news cycles where people and twitter and everything where people are just really like mean to each other and you're actually like you know, there's a lot of good people who want to help each other out. Yeah. And, and when you get in that situation at your lowest point and you realise there's hands coming from every direction. That and you it's usually know. the people that can't communicate that in an online world are the ones yeah. who are actually doing them and all of that, you know. It's, yeah. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one out there and it's, it's been a tough ride for the whole industry. Yeah. The last few years, you know, to be dealt with this cost of living thing was just, you know, off the back of COVID pandemic and all mm. of that. But, well, if we're all still here <laughs> through... Still batting on, yeah, still going. still battling on. Okay, so um, I've got to bring this to, to a close. Yeah. But I, <laughs> we could chat way more and I, I thank you for your 
honesty and openness about what I know is, you know, it's not, it's not easy things to, to reflect on, especially when it involves family and, and things like that. It's, it's, it's real, it's real life, you know, it's not just, it's bigger than beer, you know. Um, so let's take it to a happy place, which is the apocalypse. So, <laughs> so this is the last question that I always like to, to ask a guest, which is you're in a bar, <clears throat> they can, they've got every beer that's ever been made or they can make you any beer that you'd like to be made in an instant. There's a little flashing TV in the corner and suddenly it just flashes up like there's a comet about to hit Earth in an hour. And the barman walks up and he slaps the bar and he goes, what are you drinking? What would be that beer for you? And I'm guessing it's not Windermere Pale. <laughs> not, not anymore. <laughs> oh. Well, I know mine. How big is the asteroid? How yeah. long have I got to make the decision? You've got, you've got an hour. Can, can an I hour. have uh, multiple? Uh... <laughs> you could probably scull a few. Oh. Go on, I mean, you. mine's, um, I can't, like, it's a, a Belgium whipped beer and it's a Caracol and I can never remember the name of the beer but I just know the brand because it's got a lovely little, it's a snail on a lily pad on the label, it's beautiful and it's, <laughs> it's just, it's my perfect beer. Amazing. And it's, yeah. It's, That's the one. It's, whether it's still the same, I don't know, but it's just, I haven't had it in a couple of years, but it's just, it, yeah, it, that's the one, that's the one I want. Amazing. Go on, you've had a little <laughs> bit of time to think about this now, Matt. I was just deciding whether it would be a fresh bottle of Orval or an aged bottle mm. of Orval. Maybe you can get both. Yeah. Can and I drink them side, yeah, you can, yeah. you can have both. Yeast and yeast out. Can I have the yeast as well? Can I have a brandy glass? Don't waste it all of your time thinking about these I things. Know. You need to just, you're going to have to drink it. I'm going to make an all. Perfect. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. It was great. And that's it. Another episode done. And a massive, massive thank you to Matt and Michelle for being so gracious and open about their journey. Um, yeah, bit of an emotional one, that one. Um, thoroughly lovely and the beer we've just produced actually a west coast we didn't really talk about that but with the west coast tdh ipa is absolutely banging so if you can pick up a can um once again thank you so much for listening if you can rate share all that kind of stuff is always helpful okay so until next week thanks again and 